This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hey everybody, welcome to 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins, and I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat this with uh, positivity. I'm just feeling spent. But just because I'm feeling spent doesn't mean that you are. You're coming here for a discussion with people in independent music, and that's exactly what we're doing here today. Stephen Kobuchi, which I think I butchered his last name, but we'll, we'll go with that. Stephen plays in a band called Wolves of the Gate, who uh, put out some records on Tooth and Nail, Solid State, and uh, we had a lot of interesting discussions in and around faith and the heavy music that they play and just uh, a, lot of, a lot of good stuff. I was really uh, impressed with this conversation because I definitely went into it uh, only being very topically familiar with the band. And then, um, yeah, Stephen was a great chat, so you should listen to it. But uh, let's get some, uh, some personal musings out of the way and then we'll dive into our interview with Stephen. Like I said, I'm exhausted. Um, you know, partially it, it's due to my wife's cancer that she's battling because, uh, yeah, she had a horrible week this week. Fortunately, she's through with her chemotherapy, but now we are entering into a testing phase starting next week. So that means they'll do a, you know, full body scan on her to see if there is any lingering cancer. Um, and then uh, hopefully that comes back in the positive and she doesn't have to do anything else right now besides surgery the following week so i'm hoping that come late march i'll start to feel more like a normal human being and then um to compound that all is the fact that uh, you know every morning when you wake up and you check uh, twitter or your local news affiliate or newspapers or however you put information about the world in your head it feels like a waking nightmare and, um, you know, I don't care. No, I, I was about to say, I don't care what you voted politically. No, I do care what you voted politically. Um, I just can't believe all the things that are happening. Uh, it, it feels like uh, just a dam has overflowed, and so much is just being poured on us, the general public, to try to keep up with the massive amounts of things that are just like oh, cool, so like we don't care about the climate anymore and we might as well repeal all of these things in order to give uh, people temporary jobs. And, you know, yes, I understand that I do not, uh, un- I do not uh, grasp the scope of jobs that people have lost from the sort of, uh, you know, I was about to say service sector, but no, just like the energy sector. But it's like that's one of 500 things that comes out in a day that you're just like, oh, my gosh. And it's like I, I feel like most people are feeling this this anxiety and fear um, just across the board. And like I said, it's just it's tiring. And we're not even like two weeks into this presidency. And it just feels uh, it just feels like I want to go to sleep. <clears throat> but. I don't because I want to stay engaged and I want to be informed and I want to voice my opinions where it matters the most, you know? So I want to encourage you, even if you may be feeling down, even if you may be feeling just as exhausted as I am right now, because, you know, frankly, I am recording this on the morning that I am releasing this. And it's just, uh, I just have not found the motivation to kind of sit down here and do this. So I want to be very, very honest with all of you people. That's, uh, That's what's happening. But I'm not giving up. Neither should you. And you should uh, fight the good fight for whatever it is that you believe and push forward. Please do that. Because if we give up, then the dumb people win. I've always said that. Don't let the dumb people win. Anyways, like I said, my discussion with Stephen was uh, wide-ranging and uh, very uh, insightful. And ultimately, 
this band falls in the kind of you know mid-level band status where you know they're able to play to a decent amount of people around the country in uh, many pockets but then a lot of places they uh, you know don't pull headlining numbers or whatever and we had a long discussion about that which I think is very uh, insightful so there you go now here's my discussion with Steven and I will talk to you as the interview is over You know, I'm not. I'm sure. not gonna lie. I'm not intimately familiar with. Uh, I, I was. I was familiar with you guys by name via you know you signing to Solid State, and uh, I was a huge uh, Solid State kid as far as you know my introduction to independent music. Um, right. Where it was like you know starting to get into it like mid to late '90s and you know training for Utopia and Focal Point and Strong Arm and like all the greatest. Cool. Things. And, uh, but then, you know, I, I'm sure you can kind of maybe speak to this too, but I always found it interesting where, um, you know, I, I, even though I myself, you know, for lack of a better term, I call myself Christian, but, um, there's a lot of things that I, you know, don't agree with from the, you know, religion perspective, but I, I listen to music of both sides of the spectrum where it's like, yeah, I could listen to a Christian hardcore band, but then I could also listen to, you know, Slayer and like, I'm fine with that. But yep. there were so many people who obviously could not do that. And, yeah, you know, and I found it so funny because then I would go into a Christian bookstore and buy, you know, the latest Solid State release or whatever, and then I would find bands that were the, you know, analogous to whatever was happening in the secular world, where it's like, oh uh, yeah, you know, here's your, your, like, you know, obviously the easiest one to point is like, you know, DC Talk and In Sync, like it's like, yep. Did did you did you have that experience, like, kind of growing up within the the context of uh, oh, Christian music? Totally. Totally. And let me tell you, one of like the most like uh, deflating like things to see when I was a kid was, you know, the for fans of they had this whole thing where it's just like, if you're into Linkin Park, then you'll love Skillet. And <laughs> and so I was like, well, I love Linkin Park. I'd love to find another Linkin Park. And you listen to Skillet. You're like, that's not like Linkin Park. <laughs> like Linkin Park's cool, <laughs> you know, or whatever like other band it was. I don't remember. I just remember reading that list going like, man, you guys, I don't know if you ever even listened to those bands before. Right. Um, so yeah, I was, yeah, as a kid, I just wanted to listen to good music and even still to this day, you know, cause to me, like, obviously like there are tons of bands I listen to that I don't maybe agree with their content, but they make good art, you know? And it's like, what am I going to do? Listen to bad art and good content only, you know, because that's pretty much what you're left with uh, in much of the Christian world, you know. So yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm an artist. I and even when I'm an old man and maybe I'm not an artist, you know, actively or professionally, I still want to listen to good art, you know. Right, and I, I did find it so frustrating too, where you felt like the uh, I mean, clearly the Christian music scene from the independent side of things. Um, there were so many bands that came out where, like you said, there was they, they were such a re- a lightweight replacement for whatever was, <laughs> for whatever was happening. And I, I, I gosh, I totally remember uh, you know buying a CD based on exactly the the description of what you're talking about. Where it's like, oh, it yeah. sounds like these bands. And I listen to it, and I'm like, dude, this is dog shit. Like this is <laughs> yeah, this sounds nothing like this band. Yeah, and back in the day, you're spending you're not spending like. Nine ninety nine on a record. You're spending twenty bucks on a record, yep. and that was huge for me. At least I remember, like a twenty dollar bill meant I could get one record, 
and you better not screw it up, you know. And I definitely <laughs> screwed it up before. <laughs> it's a bummer. What What was your uh, What was your most uh, I, I guess disappointing purchase? Where because uh, because oh, so, sometimes I mean I'll, I'll I'll load it up while you're uh, thinking, but you know sometimes <laughs> sometimes you actually that might work in your favor where you buy a record and you work so hard to get into it even though you know it's not that good but then all of a sudden on the 25th listen it's like actually oh i get this and i like this but then you know then you realize that that in the context once you start to place the music scene at large in general you're like oh no that actually did suck and i was right when i yeah (laughs) do you have any uh, examples that you can think of that you 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 felt like oh man i didn't get this (laughs) um Well, thankfully, this one was a gift, but it was a a record from a band called Pillar. Oh, I totally remember that band. Yeah, yeah. And somebody was like, "Yeah, this is it's like it's heavy." And I listened to it, and I'm like, "This isn't heavy." And I just try. I tried. I tried for however many tracks, right? And I was all done. And I was like, "I I'm probably never going to listen to this again." Right. Uh, And uh, I just felt I felt like I got had. That's what it felt like. (laughs) Yep. No, that's a really that's a really good point. I mean. you know, in the 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 time before sampling, you like you said, you really did invest. Like you know, you looked at the the, the song titles. You looked, mm-hmm. you looked, you like soaked every moment of that record in, and then you're like, okay, I'm gonna make the purchase. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I feel like you were like watching me as a kid and describing what you saw, but that's like that was my same exact experience. You know, I remember staring at uh, Oh God, the aftermath, and. Uh, like i was like this looks cool like right. the song titles are pretty interesting the album art is cool um and so i just went for it you know and because uh, i'd never heard of norma jean at that point right. all i knew I, I actually knew that that was marilyn monroe's actual name and i was like that's weird but you know <laughs> right sounds cool like yeah, so i just went for it and it was a good decision because i still love that band to this day absolutely great decision and the uh it, you also spent <laughs> Like probably at, you know at least an hour in, in the store, like just bare minimum. Like I'm gonna look at like 40 records and then decide on one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because I was do- I was totally holding like five. You know. But also, all I knew is I had 20 bucks mm-hmm. and I had to make one choice, which is crazy to me. Is that somebody could spend half that today and they have access to every single song in the world? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's so for at least a month for at least a month if i had that as a kid man oh, man so, i would have listened to a lot of music i know you just you stuff so much of it in your head and like, <laughs> i really i appreciate you you wanting to entertain this this thought pattern because I, I think it's so um it, it definitely isn't the like oh man things were so much better back then because obviously yeah they weren't like you, you had to i remember there was one record store that was located around me it was called cd listening bar and they they did <laughs> That's it awesome it was great because you brought up the cds they opened them up for you and wow i felt like in retro in retrospect i was probably the worst customer because i would listen <laughs> to like you know 25 records and buy one <laughs> you say hey, you're like you're going to work for that 20 bucks. That's what you were telling that store clerk. You want my $20, which is like a million dollars to a kid. Yeah. You know, you're going to work for it. 
Right. No, it, I, yeah, I, I, I felt so bad because those, yeah, those 20 year olds were just like, oh God, here's this, here's this, this dumb fledgling punk kid that's going to listen to every no effects CD possible right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember, did you ever have coconuts like the music store? I, I was, I'm familiar with them, but we didn't have them out here in California. Oh, uh, okay. They had this thing where you could scan the barcode and it would play like 30 second, um, or, or the, yeah, like you, it would play like 30 seconds of a song. And so that's what I spent my time is like, I go get a CD, scan it. And you know, you'd have the headphones in the little thing and you get to listen to like 30 seconds of just one song. And that was, that was the way that I did it. So that was my, uh, coconuts music bar, if you will. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're, 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 you're sampling and you better hope that, that, uh, the, 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 the 30 second clip, is it the intro of the record of like erythral noise? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Or it wasn't the best 30 seconds of the record, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, because you know that the music programmer of that specific device, like, he didn't care. He was just he was putting yep. 30 seconds of every single CD possible in there. Yes. And yes. Were, you were, were you born in Ohio or were you raised in New Jersey? I, I wasn't exactly sure. Oh, I, I was born and raised in New Jersey, and I, I just went to school in Ohio. I went to college. Um and so, and I was there for about like seven or eight years, maybe. Okay. Um, so I basically just moved there after, um, after high school. Okay. Got it. Got it. Um, and so where were you born in Jersey? Uh, I was born in Bergenfield. It's, it's, uh, it's like a blue collar town right outside of, um, New York city, you know, right by the George Washington bridge. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I definitely know that, uh, that area very well of, uh, Usually people ask, like, what what exit on the turnpike are you born off of? <laughs> One fifty six. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Um, and so, what was your experience like in uh, in Jersey? I, I presume you know mother and father kind of uh, standard nuclear family, or how did that break itself out? Yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty standard. Mom and dad. Um, you know, my dad uh, he is like a general contractor. It's what he did for a living, and uh, and so that was a part of my life, you know, doing woodworking and stuff like that. And mom was just an awesome mom who helped dad with the business. And she was also very musical. And so there was, you know, always music and records going on in our house. And she played piano and played guitar and sang. And, and so, uh, and my dad also, he sings in the house all the time too. So I guess that's, uh, uh, I guess that was pretty crucial to, for me as a musician growing up. So sure, what uh, were they? What were, you, what were they listening to? Um, to be honest, just I I couldn't really tell you exactly, but I know that like it was mostly it was mostly all Christian music. I know that my my father loves to listen to like Celtic music or um, or like classical music. He actually mm. he's the one that got me into classical music. Uh, around the same time that I like got into Metallica, um, so which that was like a really good uh, pairing, if you will. Right. Uh, like cheese and wine, I'd say classical music and Metallica. Totally <laughs> was a, a good pairing for me as a, a young aspiring guitarist. So um, that's cool. Well, yeah, yeah you, you also had the uh, Metallica S and M concert to be like, oh yeah, here you can put these two things together. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was awesome. And so, uh, are you an only child? Uh, no, I have an older brother. His name's Phil. Uh, he lives in Nashville. Um, and he was big into the music scene for a while, but not like the music scene that we would know of. He, he works for Warner Brothers record label. Oh, sure. Um, 
right out of college he got an opportunity with them and uh you know he was like he was like a radio dj at his college and so he worked in he worked for warner brothers for a little while and then moved to nashville and continued to work for the music industry but just decided to go out on his own and he runs a social media marketing company oh nice um and he's uh I remember when he first told me that that's what he was starting a company doing that. And he was really like at the ground level of that. Cause he, I was like, so you like run Facebook pages for people like right. before that was like a normal thing. And I was just, people would say, what does your brother do for a living? And I'm like, he's on Facebook. I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I love, I love those. There are so many times where you run into those circumstances where jobs that didn't exist, you know, three to five years ago, I get explained to people and they're like, that's not a real job. <laughs> exactly. You're like, well, yeah, actually you know, it is. Yeah. And it's like, I, I knew that he was like su- successful at it. I just didn't know how. So people would always ask me and I'm like, I, uh, I have no idea. I'm really sorry. <laughs> right. And I didn't want to like demean, like my brother works, he's on people's Facebook pages. You know, I was, I wasn't too helpful in that department for a while until like, I think, you know, I started seeing how much we needed Facebook with our band. Right. That's when it started to make sense. So I was like, oh, that's why people pay him because Facebook is terrible and they don't want to be on it, but it's necessary for this day and age. So, right. And you're like, um, hey, 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 yeah. bro- hey, brother, can you tell me how to optimize my <laughs> Facebook page? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah. He's like, I can't help you. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> you guys are beyond repair. <laughs> <laughs> Did, uh, did you guys uh, like bounce music off of each other, or was he kind of a, a you know doing his own thing? My brother was like the perfect older brother in the sense that he like hid all the cool stuff from me, and so I'd have to like beg him to let me hear it. Or you know, I was I I just wanted to be like my older brother as a kid. So whatever haircut he got, I got, and I think he started to hate it, and so I'd have to like. I'd have to like look through his stuff to to see what he was listening to. But my brother has like a way different taste in music than I do. Uh, uh, his is probably like the opposite side of the spectrum. Um, but like th- bands that like I would say that we could possibly both like at the same time are like maybe Mute Math, okay, um, w- which is like a, a great a great band to have like as a mutual mm-hmm. uh, um, like listening enjoyment. Uh, so, um, but yeah, he was never into heavy music that like scared him when he found out that like we screamed in our band. Right. Uh, and he was like, he, I remember he said, Oh my goodness, Steve, like, what is this? <laughs> I was like, this is my band. <laughs> He's like, good luck with that. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. I, could, I could tell you where you're not getting played at my radio station. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But it was funny because he was the one that showed me bands like blindside and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I think, I think he just played it cause his radio station wanted him to. Right. Right. Yeah. Definitely part, part of the, uh, this is what's happening with, uh, with the, uh, the, the music scene out there as of now, as of, as of now. Um, and so, yeah, so did did you come? I'm you know I'm making conjecture here, but I presume you came from a religious household where you know going to church and all that was uh, important. Like, did you also go to religious schools as you were growing up? Yeah, I yeah. So I grew up in you know a family. I was raised Christian. Uh, both my parents are Christian, um, and uh, I like I went to a Christian college and I went to public school all the way up until I think ninth grade. Um, so just the mostly just because the public school in our system is just not very good. 
um, you know, and I played sports and I was playing soccer at the time and uh, I had a better opportunity to, to play soccer there as well. So um, it wasn't, yeah, it, I, I'm glad that I went to public school for as long as I did just because it's a good experience. I think it'd be really strange to just be stuck inside a uh, uh, really one realm of reality yeah uh, your whole life um yeah Yeah, it's definitely uh it's i find it interesting too because i think people that do you know attend a private or religious school that you know has a very distinct train of thought and don't get exposed to anything else beyond that um you know it's a real Mm -hmm. it's a real shock to the system when you go to the real world and you start to have to experience all the choices that are out there and then people you know usually end up are just like i need to make every choice possible and then yeah make every decision in a matter of six months and it's like oh man yeah slow down yeah yeah i mean i'm actually remembering now um the, the big reason i actually switched schools was because you know uh I was getting into I was getting into like way too many fights at school, and not because I started them, but just because that was kind of the temperature of the school I went to. You know, like I was just a I was a, a small kid. I wasn't looking to get in fights. Like all I wanted to do was like draw and play guitar and play soccer. Um, but that was just the way things were, and so you know, I was like getting kids like trying to jump me on my way home from school you know when i was just trying to go to the arcade and stuff like that and my parents were kind of just like yeah like trying to get an education shouldn't be this difficult yeah and you shouldn't have to be like worrying about if you're gonna get jumped after school every day right um so i'm actually just remembering that now it's strange i forgot about that yeah yeah you're like there's maybe more than one reason (laughs) yeah maybe that maybe that was I, when I got hit in the head, I got punched in the face the first time. So I probably that's probably what caused me to forget it. Sure, <laughs> having a little bit of a loss of memory. Sure, sure, a little uh, post traumatic stress, stress disorder. <laughs> Just like, all right, I'm blocking yeah. that out. That doesn't exist in my life anymore. Yeah, maybe now this is where the safe word is going to come in. <laughs> so, <laughs> Just kidding. I'm yeah, kidding. You're like oh my gosh, I, I I now I have a whole bad bad memories attached to this. This is terrible. <laughs> yeah, you guys send me into relapse or something. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the, the way that you're describing yourself as a kid, it sounded like you were very much, um, you know, uh, well balanced. Where you're experiencing, you know, team sports and doing all the stuff that you know a typical high school kid would do. But then you mm-hmm. also you also were getting into uh, independent music, and you know, I, I find. I find the intersection of once you start getting into stuff that your parents don't like or identify with, um, on top of the fact that you come from a religious household, um, was there a lot of turmoil and strife there in regards to you bringing home records that clearly were not not classical? And how did they? How did your parents? Feel about that? <laughs> um, well, there was definitely a sense in which, like, I hid stuff from my parents, and I'm not proud of that because I. You know, in retrospect, I just wish I would have been honest because that's, you know, I was, I told my parents pretty much everything. Uh, but because, like, if I didn't have anything to hide, like, there's no reason to not say something. Um, so they didn't really know that I listened to a lot of that kind of music. Um, they, like, there were a couple instances I remember, um, you know, where they found records and, like, oh, you know what it was? It, uh, it probably wasn't until. I started driving because I remember my dad went to move my car early one morning and uh, uh, I forget what record I had in there. It might have been like, like 
uh, a Deftones record or something and like you know when you start up the car whatever CD's in the CD player is going to start playing and uh, I think that happened for him and like I have my radio on way too loud and he was just like what in the world is that right and i remember he came inside and he's like what are you listening to and i was just like it's just the music i like i had no idea what to say you know but my parents were they were never like you know um really crazy about it like my parents you know they kept a, a strict household in the sense that like they didn't want me to grow up to be you know, um, some delinquent, you know, I I think that they did, uh, trust us as their kids, um, as much as kids should and can be trusted, I guess. Um, you know, so I think that helped. And even when I started the band, my parents were really confused as to why that, that was the music I wanted to make. But, you know, over time they've just, they get it. It's just music, you know? having long conversations of like can a sound be evil you know um and realizing how that's not like you can't make that argument you know (laughs) sound sound is sound there's no there's no belief system to you know a distorted guitar um it's just the way it sounds right right no i it's it is very interesting just because you know most of the time, I mean, kids that aren't brought up in religious households, you know, hide music as well because it's like, oh, there's mm-hmm. no, there's no way that I can listen to uh, Rage Against the Machines, Killing in the Name of, uh, just because, it, you know, it's at the end of the song it says, uh, "Fuck you, I won't do what you told me." Like, I can't play that now. Yeah, but yeah, definitely, definitely, but, you know. But I found a way to listen to that song. Yeah, you know, of course, uh, and, of course. You know, and uh, obviously, like, um, you know. I don't think it's the greatest thing to have at the end of a song, but like the music is just next level, you know? Uh, and I think, I think I was able to look past that as a kid. Cause all I really cared about at that point in my life, uh, was like, I wanted to hear really cool guitar riffs, uh, really creative vocals. And, um, definitely found that in, you know, Tom Morello and his guitar playing and Rage Against the Machine. Uh, but it is, it's so funny. There's so many, uh, interesting dynamics when you get you know a religious household and music because a, a lot of illogical um um perspectives start getting thrown around um and i think there's some sort of common middle ground but even still to this day i don't think i figured out like really a hard stance of where i stand regarding like what i should or should listen to or what my kids will or will not listen to yeah, it, it's, I mean, it's such a, um, not only is it subjective, but it's such a gray area because the, um, I mean, you can't link these two, you, you can't link behavior to music listening. It's like you could be into the deepest, darkest stuff of any subculture imaginable. And yes, of mm-hmm. course, people can bleed over to that and, uh, you know, start to be all consumed by that particular music scene or whatever. Um, but a lot of the times, I would say a vast majority of the time, people can listen to, you know, Swedish death metal and be mm-hmm. com- completely fine. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing that's going to send them off into a different path. Um, they're, right. Like you said, they're able to consume uh, the music for what it is. And, um, you know, ultimately, it broadens their worldview, too. Yeah, well, and at the end of the day, like, I'm a very strong believer in the fact that 
uh, people are going to do what their heart desires. And somebody who has like, uh, like really dark and evil desires is going to find things that are dark and evil to cling to. Uh, and, and regardless of like even music, like there's people who like are like evil and want to commit murder. Music's not going to make them do that. They're going to, they want to do that because they already want to do that. I don't think music's really going to be something that drives someone who wasn't going to do something. And then all of a sudden they listen to a song and all, and all of a sudden they're like, you know what? I want to commit murder. You know, it's like they already, they obviously we're already desiring that long before music ever came in. You know, I, I'm sure there's a sense in which it, it like if someone is in that dark of a place listening to, you know, uh, some artist that's telling you it's okay to commit murder probably isn't going to help, you know, but uh, I don't know if any of that makes sense, but I just think people are going to follow what their heart's desire is regardless of what song they listen to. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. I, I, com- I completely agree. Support for this podcast comes from Toyota and their new 2017 Highlander. If you're like me, when the weekend comes, you don't just want to sit around the house. You want to get out with the family, explore new places, and try new things. Maybe check out a science museum, hit a festival, or just head out to nature. Well, the new Toyota Highlander is the perfect vehicle for discovery. It starts on the outside with its sleek design and aggressive new front grille that say you have an attitude for an adventure. Its improved powertrain makes it more fun to drive and more fuel efficient than ever. It has Toyota Safety Sense technology standard, including a pre-collision system and lane departure alert. It even has five USB charging ports because you know the last thing you want is for someone's device to run out of power. And one of my favorite features is Driver Easy Speak, which lets you broadcast what you say to the rear seats so your passengers can hear you. Doesn't mean they'll listen, but at least they can hear you. So navigate to your nearest Toyota dealer or toyota.com and see why there's always more to discover in the new 2017 Highlander. Drivers are responsible for their own safe driving, Always pay attention to your surroundings and drive safely. Depending on the condition of roads, weather, and the vehicle, the systems may not work as intended. See owner's manual for additional limitation and details. The TSS pre-collision system is not a substitute for safe and attentive driving practices. Lane departure alert is not a substitute for safe and attentive driving practices. But the simple thing to know is Highlander is awesome. I test drove it. It's the real deal. Now go to Toyota dealership. Now. Um... And so did you have the predilection already once you started to, you know, experiment with music and, um, you know, start to play it? Because I, I, I'm presuming you picked up guitar first. Is that kind of your entry point? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Did you have a desire once you started to do that to immediately play in bands or was that just kind of a, a weird idea that you didn't even know how to make that happen? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, as soon as I, I, I didn't spend too much time, like, learning how to play other bands like i learned how to play other band songs for like a short while and then i realized man i would love to create something myself and so i spent like a a large majority of the rest of my guitar playing on discovering what it is to write music um the problem for me was i was like some sort of either musical or social pariah to the extent that I couldn't get anybody to be in a band with me (laughs) for years. I mean, Wolves of the Gate is the first band I've ever been in, and uh, it's not because I wanted it to be. Uh, It's just because I couldn't, like, get people to play music with me. I'd meet musicians, and I'd say, like, we should start a band. They're like, oh, no, I don't don't really want to do that. It just sounds like too much work. And I'm like... You're, you're crazy right. so I was like I was starving for it and it wasn't until I was like 
21 years old that I got to start playing music in a band, which is insane because I started playing guitar when I was like 16. Um, and I started writing songs when I was 17. Um, so were you, or even earlier right right yeah you definitely had this all pent up inside of you were you um were you, when did you start going to shows like uh, of the you know beyond just large concerts when did you start to go to more you know all ages independent type of shows right um i started i started going to shows um probably 14 or 15 um and i remember like one of my first, what I would call like a real show, um, was, um, it was, uh, the blood brothers and against me. Um, definitely remember that, that tour. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was really, that blew my mind. I, I'd never seen a show like that in my life before. Um, and it was so cool for me too, because nobody in the bands look like what I expected them to look like, you know? Um, because I was joking with Matt about this on the on the break it down about how like b- back in the day you didn't know what guys in bands looked like you know you heard their music and you didn't there was no like image attached to you know the music it was just the music um, and so when the Blood Brothers came on stage they did not look like anything that I expected because their music was really heavy and crazy so I'm expecting like these going to be like big, scary looking dudes. And they're all these just scrawny guys that are smaller than I am. And just like wearing the same like type of jeans and shirt that I'm wearing, you know, uh, that was just a crazy experience for me. And one of probably one of my favorite concert experiences because of, because of that. Uh, and, and they were so good live too. Absolutely. Um, Spectacular band. But yeah, I, that's yeah. a, I, I really like that, that point because it is so interesting. I remember a very impactful thing that I witnessed was, um, so there, there's this band, uh, Elliot, uh, they put out a, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, incredible band from, from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, they, they didn't do this, their entire run of the band, but towards their, they were touring off of their, uh, their first LP called us songs and they played out in Southern California. They basically, they showed up at a venue and, you know, they started loading in and they were wearing like, uh, not suits and ties, but basically long sleeve white shirts, like button ups with a collar and then, uh, like a tie. Awesome. And so, you know, it was, and I heard them, well, I didn't hear them explain it this evening, but I, or that particular evening, but I heard, I saw them in an interview. They mentioned that they dressed like that because they wanted to give a blank canvas for people to listen to that didn't, that weren't already familiar with it. And I I love that idea because like you said, you know, if you see a band, you know, putting their equipment on stage and you know, their one guitarist is wearing like a Bane t-shirt and like, you know, you start to piece together. Okay. I I have an idea what they're going to sound like, but yeah, when when you don't know what a band sounds like, you're, you're, you have no idea or when you don't know what a band looks like, you have no idea what they sound like. And you know, you start to build weird visions in your head. It's a, I, it is a fun experience to kind of, you know, I mean, there's no way that you can't undo that now. Like everybody knows what no. the band looks like. But. Exactly. Just so you know, you kind of blew my mind a little bit with that. I think that's really awesome. And I, I, I love, I, I still, I, I'm glad that it, it affected you. Cause it's still, I mean, I, that happened to me when I was like, I don't know, 17 or 18. And I was just like, every band needs to do that. <laughs> it's like, so, Oh yeah. I was thinking that just now I was just like, uh, I don't know. I was just thinking about how much more I, I, probably could have enjoyed certain bands or maybe how much more people could have enjoyed our band because 
they didn't like stamp us with something that we were either you, we were enough of something or we're not enough of something because right. we're not very big on on an image as a band because uh, if we tried it would be like hilarious and not cool like <laughs> right. people would laugh at us probably um, I, I just don't have that personality I don't think I could wear something trendy um, not simply because no one would believe me they would just go that guy's a phony you know um right and so it's really interesting to me yeah i like i want to go look up that band exactly for that reason you know it's like yeah i just think that's such a cool concept because it really forces you to, to listen and not look yeah you know absolutely yeah it really and it, it wasn't it definitely wasn't a i mean it was just shtick but not to the point of where you know like a my chemical romance shtick where it's like oh here's these guys in like uniforms right. you know it's like this is basically just a very right nondescript thing but uh yeah it was it yeah it's very impactful um kind of on that same notion where um you know people people that are are aware of your existence and are, are into your band i mean you make no bones about it. The fact that you're a Christian band, you are, uh, you know, you're, you're legitimately spreading the gospel as far as what you see it and how you want to, um, further the message. Uh, clearly that is divisive amongst people where I presume that a lot of people might be in the same way that you're like, yeah, I can listen to, you know, a, a band and not agree with their message. Um, you know, how have you, how have you kind of navigated that where, you know, you want your band to be exposed to as many people as possible. Um, but then you also want to stick true with who you are and not, you know, water down your message and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, it, it is really difficult because I, I think, um, I, I know that, and, and to, yeah. and to, to put this up front, like I know there's no easy and definitive answer. So, you know, you can work yeah. it out as we're talking about it. I just wanted to, Oh yeah. Out there. Yeah. Well, that's fair because that's exactly what I'm about to do. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, people in the music industry, it's like, as soon as that is placarded upon a band, um, things change, you know? Um, and, I don't really see that with any other like um, moniker that can be put upon a band, which perplexes me because you know um, there's you know if agnostic or atheist or Jewish or I mean you don't see a lot of Jewish heavy bands, but that would be very interesting to me um, to see. Yeah, there's legitimately one Jewish hardcore band that I've ever been familiar with. There's a band called Sons of Abraham. They're from New York City, but anyways, that, you're. Wow. You are very right in the fact there's a very, very <laughs> small amount of bands that profess to be Jewish hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, if people get anything today, I think I hope they know that there aren't a lot of Jewish hardcore bands out there. There, There is a uh, deficiency in the market, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is very difficult because our goal is like, you know, our goal is not to preach to the choir. That's for sure. Um, if anything, like... Um, I'm bothered by who would I, I'm bothered by our modern Christianity and uh, I'm I'm not playing for like American Christianity's uh, team like that's that's not who I'm in this for and so many people think like you know we're trying to like like do like PR for God and the American Christian Church and we're not you know um God doesn't need PR and the American Christian church is 
all they do is try to publicly relate to our culture in the cheesiest and, and most superficial ways. Um, and for us, like, you know, more than anything, we would, we want people to know that the reason why we talk about the gospel is because, um, as much as I can, and every band says this, um, and so take this with a grain of salt, but we generally care about people hearing the message. And if I talk to people about the gospel or if they hear that in our songs, um, I want them to know that it's because um, I, I care. I care about that. I care about who listens to our music and I care that they hear this message and 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 then decide for themselves because I think it's, um, it's so easy for people to take what they see in the news um, you know, Westboro Baptists and go, oh, that's a Christian. It, or look at, you know, the, the quack Joel Osteen, um, you know, or other people who've just made a mockery of what true Christianity is, and they don't really actually know what it's about. I guess for us, we would want to say, like, at least, at least hear out what the message is, um, and then decide for yourself. Um, and that's really what we want to do with our music is kind of provide a way for people to hear the message in a, uh, unconventional way. Um, and through an artistic way too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, I, I appreciate that train of thought cause it's definitely, it's, it's very easy to paint with a very broad brush. Um, you know, classifications, whether that's, you know, being vegan, whether that's being straight edge, whether that's being Christian, like it's very easy to throw everybody in the same exact, uh, bucket, where they're like, mm-hmm. okay, oh yeah, I met one straight edge dude when I was seventeen, and he knocked a beer out of my hand, and I, <laughs> I, you know, I hate that entire movement or whatever. And, exactly. Know, as you grow older, you realize that every single classification and philosophical belief has nuances in it. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it, I, I do, I do find it so um, startling be, that so many people, you know, just write off a particular brand of music because uh you know of their philosophical beliefs and it's like or and and vice versa where it's like there are people that clearly only listen to you know christian bands and that may work for them but i I just find Mm -hmm. it to be like uh, you are missing out on so much not only great art but again broadening your worldview to where you understand more people than just what's presented in front of you at your church and your school oh definitely and you know like um, something that is important to me, like whenever we go on tour with a band, um, not only do I listen to their music, I read their lyrics cause I want to see like, cause they, they're, they have, if you're in a band, you have a message, you're, you're proclaiming a message. I mean, maybe there's a better word than proclaim, but you're, you're basically, uh, telling people you have a message, uh, and you have something you want to say and, that's interesting to me because um, it's it's interesting to, to see what other people say. This is what is important to be spoken about, and it tells me a lot about them. And uh, for me, it, hopefully, it helps me understand them as well. Because um, that, that's really important to me when we're touring is to get to know people and to learn and to interact and to understand. I love talking to people on tour and they'll know that we're a Christian band and they know what we're about. And then just saying like, I, cause I asked them, what do you think about what we do, you know, as a band? And it, it makes me really curious. So what do you think about Christianity? Like what has been your experience? Um, 
because then you can have an actual conversation with them and because I think a lot of people are maybe used to just the idea of a Christian saying, let me just tell you everything and, and not listen to you. <laughs> totally. Um, hey, hey, here's here's everything you're doing wrong in your life, idiot. Here's here's yeah. here's the blueprint that you can use and it's like, oh that's the whole that's the worst way to start off a conversation. Yeah. And because the reality is is that like I think people end up doing that because they can't look at themselves soberly. You know, they don't see themselves to be a person who's in great need uh, of anything. They find them, they find themselves to be, you know, really good. They find themselves to be, uh, like, you know, self-sufficient. I I don't know how to put it. The word really is self-righteous, you know, um, and so that's why most people don't ever entertain the idea of um, coming humbly to another human being and trying to understand who they are and, and where they're coming from. And then maybe you can actually have a meaningful conversation, um, you know. But um, to me, I also think it's important to, to given the opportunity, that I, I would love to talk to somebody about the gospel. Um, but I'm not going to be... a um, a jerk for the sake of like checking them off my list, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I really, and that's, yeah, I, go I, ahead. I, yeah, no, I pardon interrupt, but I, I really like, uh, I just wanted to say it before we got too far away, but I, I really like the, um, the, the disarming question of, you know, what do you think about it? What it is that we do? Because, you know, f- frankly, that opens the door up for people either, you know, just being really nice and placating to you. Or if people, you know, want to have a true discussion, they could, you know, poke holes at what you guys do. And, um, you know, whether that's, you know, on stage, whether it's the fact that your guitar tone sucks, whatever it is that they feel like it. <laughs> You know what yeah. I'm saying? It just give it it opens the door, and I think that's a really really good place to start off with. And frankly, that you know, I mean, you know what it's like to be on tour, where you've got those first couple days where bands are kind of feeling each other out, and like and sometimes it's you know you feel even icy towards the bands initially because yeah. everyone's kind of like oh, I don't know, like maybe this maybe these guys suck or whatever, and then you know yeah a week later yeah. you're like what are we doing? They're the best human beings <laughs> on the planet. Um, always, yeah. always, yeah, but. but I just I like I really really like the way that that you know you uh, approach that because ultimately it will give you a wider breadth of conversation to have than just the typical like oh what is it, what is it you you know what is it you think you, we are okay cool that's going to be in your head and we're not even going to talk about it <laughs> yeah exactly and, and the thing is that uh, Christians are really good at making themselves the offense and and not. Um, if someone's going to be offended at something, you know, it's most likely going to be that you end up disagreeing about what you what you believe, you know, especially regarding the gospel or the Bible and things like that. But so many people uh, frame every conversation to the effect that they end up being the offense because they have no idea how to talk to people and don't have an idea of how to listen uh, and how to have conversation, how to show respect to someone. You know, just because they don't have the same worldview as you and you, you, they may be wrong. That doesn't mean that you talk to them as if they're, you know, some sort of half-breed human. Um, and uh, I remember, you know, I remember asking uh, Ronnie, the singer of Born of Osiris, um, you know, what he thought about what we did. And I don't remember all the places the conversation went, but we ended up, he ended up talking to me about aliens and his belief in aliens and how like it's hard for him to believe in 
uh, certain things regarding Christianity because of his belief in aliens. And like, that was way outside of my like realm of expertise, but like, at least we, he understand he understands where I stand and at least I understand him too, you know, like, okay, well that's like really important to him. And, uh, it was probably, <laughs> it was a very like crazy conversation that went all over the universe, if you will. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, it was great to talk to the guy, you know? Yeah. Um, that's really, that's, it's really exciting that you can engage people on a deep level, um, as, as opposed to just sticking to the surface. Cause I, I think ultimately that's what everybody desires. That is creating art, you know, it's the, con- Oh, totally. It's the connectivity that you want to feel with other human beings. And, you know, by not only the artistic expression, but then when you're actually given the ability to dialogue with people on a deeper level, it's like, that's, that's super exciting. Yeah. And, yeah. and I wish, I wish that I, I, you know, I look back and I do have regrets cause I just wish that I could have done that more. And, um, you know, uh, on, you know, different tours. Cause like I, I definitely didn't do it. I didn't do it to the extent that I think I really wish I would have every single tour. Um, but you know, maybe that's not my fault. Um, and maybe it is, but that's definitely what I want, you know? And, and if anything, it's just like, it makes tour better to like get over, you know, the, the silly one, the silly competitiveness that there is a lot of times, you know, yep. uh, amongst bands and also just to get over like the, the, that like awkward, you know, barrier of, you know, we're just on tour. So we're going to be tour friends, which means like all we do is make stupid jokes and like, you know, like that's fun, but I'd also like to get to know people and, and, you know, I've learned a lot as a musician from spending time and talking to people. Like I'll never forget, you know, you know, standing there and talking with, uh, um, the, the dudes from unearth, just learning about the industry and like, uh, and learning about like how they've been able to survive for so long and, you know, um, learning how to play the guitar better because right. I definitely learned that from, you know, from Buzz and Ken, but yeah, no, you that, know, that's really, um, it's a, that yeah. kind of stuff is cool. Yeah. It's super exciting across the board. Um, you know, the, uh, since Wolves of the, Wolves of the Gate has existed since 2001 in, or not 2001, 2011 is when you guys kind of came together, right? Uh, that was, I think when we, maybe, I think maybe when we got signed, we were banned and we started in 2008. Okay. Uh, got, um, got it. Yeah. 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 Um, and so, you know, you've, you've ostensibly been playing music for, you know, the past, whatever, you know, eight years of your life and obviously balancing, um, you know, you, you have a family, you have two, you have two kids, right? Yeah. Twins, right? Or am I crazy about that? Yeah. No, you're not crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, ah. you're, you're, you're crazy that you have twins, but that was, <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't, you didn't plan that. <laughs> I didn't. I was literally thinking today, how funny it is that so many people are like, man, you had twins, like, and they'll talk to me that's like, why did you do that? And yeah, like, I didn't control, like, right. <laughs> I didn't control that. <laughs> I, I didn't control that. I'm definitely pumped that I got two kids for the price of one. Right. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Actually, actually, they do charge you the same amount for two children when you go to the hospital. They Don't do. be deceived. <laughs> they do, yeah. Was it, yeah. It's definitely not a package deal where it's like, oh, cool. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Tie this all together. It's like, no, you got two machines, yeah. you got two things, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, oh, and they made they made sure that they charge you for two of everything. Oh, absolutely! I, I yeah, they're not missing they're not missing any uh, any detail there. Um, yeah, 
but you know did you uh, like what do you do for work like you, I, I, you know i presume you've had to balance you know the idea of going on tour and, and that sort of stuff or have you been able to you know kind of piece things together with just playing music um well when i play music that's what i do for a living uh <laughs> sure funny. uh you have to wear many hats you know like when i'm on tour um that's my full-time job and that's what pays the bills um you know and being in a band um you know there's things that being in a band definitely help like when we're off the road and there's things financially that come in that definitely help but um i'm actually i do carpentry when i'm off the road um you know um what like i work in homes and do <clears throat> I do like remodeling inside houses, um, pretty much anything you can think of, you know, and also on the side, I try to build furniture, um, as well, like desks mostly. Um, but that's, that's a little bit more of a hobby than it is like a full time sort of thing. Right. Right. So yeah. Yeah. When you're, when you're home, you, uh, you can piece together some sort of, you know, woodworking stuff, some I- independent woodworking in order to, uh, you know, <laughs> help, help. Yeah. Out. So, some indie woodworking right. you know? <laughs> DIY crafting selling yourself yeah. uh, selling yourself on Etsy <laughs> yeah. um, but y- y- it does take um, you know discipline and uh, dedication to live in these two different spaces you know i.e. music mm-hmm. and being on tour uh, and then you know the context of you having a family having a wife um, how, how have you tried to you know kind of balance both those uh, as you navigate it because uh, yeah it's a it is a balancing act Totally. Um, well, before my wife and I had our twins, which really wasn't that long ago, it was just a little over two months ago. Um, but, uh, my wife would, she'd come on tour, um, which was a lot of fun for me and for her. Um, which was, it's cool cause she's into the music, but I didn't know that she was into the music until like our band until like we were about to get married. Um, cause I didn't, re- I just, didn't want that to be she you know i didn't really tell her about my band and she ended up finding out about it um through like a conversation because i just didn't want that to be like a reason why someone would be interested in me um so it's cool for her because she's she loves the the band and the music and um and she loves like going to all these cities that she you know she's never got to go to before her favorite is going to california to eat california burritos of course um she, every time there was a tour she would ask is it going to california okay i'm coming to the california dates <laughs> that's amazing and so, yeah it was great and so ever since we had the kids you know she's been really sad because she anytime like any show or any tour comes up she's just like i'm sad i can't go i want to go on tour you know and so i feel bad would she, um, would she do like merch and stuff like that or basically just just hang hard uh she would do whatever we needed her to do pretty much you know like she's helped me with like guitar stuff before um i mean she she's just kind of all hands on deck she'll do whatever needs to be done and um so that's uh, yeah that is very unique because you know usually the uh the stereotypical uh, like oh no girls in the van sort of thing and not even so much from like a you know cheesy bro code like yeah but just like you know you know traveling around in a van with a bunch of smelly dudes is not you know the no. many many girls idea of fun <laughs> no definitely not and and that's what was really impressive to me you know about my wife if i do say so myself is she handled touring like a pro um you know she you know she showered just as much as we did and you know what that means not that much not that much uh and she never complained or anything 
and uh, she did better than some people we've taken out on the road before uh, who are in bands so um, that was uh, it makes it a lot easier to have somebody who's not very fussy right right <laughs> um, and so the last thing I want to hit on was the um, you know the idea that you get you guys are you know what I would classify as kind of a you know a mid level band where you know you aren't huge in the sense of you're drawing you know five to a thousand pe- five hundred to a thousand people a night you know, <laughs> yeah you guys yeah. you guys are in that you know one hundred to three hundred range and you guys do solid tours and that sort of stuff um, mm-hmm. but you know how uh, I guess what do you do as a band because you know now that you're uh, you know you're is it your third full length then the mo- the one that you most recently yeah. released yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, it, it comes it comes to a certain point where it you know from a financial perspective where it's like, oh, is this a prudent thing to be investing time in and that sort of stuff? Um, yeah. Do you, do you guys have those conversations internally, or is it one of those things where you're like, well, we're we're in this for the long haul. We don't care as long as people care about what we do. Um, you know, I just find it interesting in that in the tier that you guys are in, most bands exist in that, and they either kind of you know go one way or the other. Um, yeah. But, but I, I just was curious if you guys have had those conversations where it's like you know, we're just going to ride this out to the end or where does it kind of take you? Yeah, no, that's a great question because, uh, I mean, we have definitely reevaluated what we do and what we're doing. I mean, every record, you know, um, uh, because, uh, yeah, it's really important. And I, I don't want people to like be in it because like, you just feel like you have to. Um, but our, our band's, pretty different than some uh, most bands like we i don't think there was ever a time where we had like lots of hype you know as they say in the music industry love that word um yeah you're hot you got some heat on you yeah man these guys there's a lot of hype behind them we never we never had that time period we've just kind of been like uh growing gradually and kind of just growing our fan base and we've seen that grow you know year after year and record after record um and, uh, you know, thankfully, like we have very honest an honest team as I, I ask, you know, people like our A&R at the label and our manager, you know, to a- ask their opinion, because it could, for me, like I love making records and I'm going to make records as long as I physically can, um, you know, but I also don't want to be that band that should have gone away a long time ago, um, you know, and uh, and so w- w- I try to ask you know, other people, other guys that are in bands that we're friends with, you know, what they think. And, you know, we haven't been given any reason to stop. And, you know, our band continues to keep growing as slowly or as quickly as it is. And, uh, you know, we see our fans get more and more excited every record. And I think it's because we're really creating a community of people that get what we are doing, what we're about, and that we want to be creative you know that we want to continue to get better at writing music and get better at surprising people um regarding like what we're going to put out musically um and so um yeah we, we we're pretty pleased with what we've got going on and we just you know we're looking forward to continuing to do that more no that's cool and it clearly i wasn't trying to uh say that you guys should hang it up but oh no <laughs> but no i didn't even and even if you were, you know, I, I think that that'd be a great thing to call us out on. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think it's it's so, you know, like I said, because most bands exist in that world where, you know, you feel some, you know, momentum, whatever that may mean, whether it's like, oh, cool, we did really well at a hometown show or, hey, we got a cool tour, yeah. that sort of stuff. But you don't, 
you don't know what that means from a long-term perspective. You're just so focused on like, hey, we're putting one foot in front of the other, and we feel like there is progress being made. So um, I, right. I just like it when people can express that in a, a safe space because, you know, there, there's never those sort of public discussions of like, oh, what does a band do when they're just like, oh, I don't, I don't know. Are we, do we feel like we're spinning our wheels? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and totally. Because the thing that's, that makes it tough is that like exactly what you said, there will be these stretches where lots of awesome stuff happens. And then these stretches of where like, you know, you just kind of have to do the, the same old, same old. Um, and it's really easy to, to go, Oh no, we're not important anymore. Or people aren't paying attention and you get nervous. But the thing is, is like, cause I've done that before. And the thing that we've realized that it's like our fans didn't go anywhere, you know, like, uh, the internet and social media is like one of the worst things for bands because it makes you, um, it makes you so, uh, it can make you so like insane and anxious about like, Oh, this band's doing that. Or, Oh man, how come we don't have this or that, you know? And it's so silly, you know, like I I think you can forget what you've got and how good that is and how special it is for the people that, are into it as well, you know, yeah. uh, both, both, both for us and our, our listeners too, and our new listeners that we keep getting more and more of. So, yeah, no, it's, it, it's exciting. Cause yeah, you, you, I mean, you yourself know <laughs> the trajectory of the, of the band uh, better than anybody else. And you're, you're living it on a day to day basis. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for you guys. The, the fact that the energy is still there, the creative drive is still there, and then you feel like there's a reason to, you know, keep putting it out there from a fan perspective. It's, uh, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, dude, I really appreciate you uh, hanging out and having this, uh, you know, uh, unconventional conversation. It was uh, very enjoyable for me. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Yeah, totally. Thanks, man. Yeah, no problem. All right, so there was Steven, and um, yeah, good good discussion. It, it felt nice to uh, replay that and listen to it again, and be able to feel uh, you know some comfort because <laughs> I, I it's weird, you know. Sorry, I'm gonna go off here in a minute. You know, I don't know whether I'm supposed to personally act like you know everything is okay. I mean, granted, I'm not. Like uh, you all listen to the intro, and you understand that uh, you know I'm going through a lot personally. But you know, the world at large, it's one of those things where you know I'm I'm looking at social media, and then it's it, the reaction that I get when someone is like talking about something you know like their day or something sort of you know in inconsequential uh, with everything that else is going on around. I feel kind of weird about it. I'm like, oh man, I don't even think. I don't even care about that. Whereas when the world felt more normal, it was like, okay, that's why I go on social media. And so, you know, I don't know what people's responsibilities are as individual citizens for this. Like, are people just supposed to, you know, publish on social media and kind of act like everything is, uh, you know, normal and kind of not uh, plagued by a lot of the uh, fears that I was discussing at the very top? Um, I don't know. Frankly, if I mean, if you have this same sort of question please email me because i want to talk to people about this 100 words podcast at gmail.com so anyways and uh, thank you very much to uh, jerry graham the pr person who helped set this up i always like to thank people in the outros so there you go and please check out lowercase noises they provide the music for this beautiful show and the music is beautiful on top of it so uh keep your eyes peeled because uh, he's got some new music coming out soon and the record i've listened to it and it's absolutely incredible 
And, um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm going to leave it. But uh, please, everybody, be safe. And I could not mean that more earnestly, more so now than ever. So please be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.